0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network.
2: Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions.
0: Hosted by Jake Devereaux. Let's go! And featuring Keaton DeRosier.
2: It's a Grand Slam! I'm telling you, it's time to party! Welcome back to another edition of the podcast that we still aren't really sure what the podcast is. It might be another episode of The Red Seat, it might be a totally different show. We don't know. It doesn't really <laughs> matter. It is me, Matt Collins. I am with Jake Devereaux. This is our second go-around. Uh, we will continue to be with you every Wednesday. Uh, how is everything going, Jake?
1: Uh, not great, Bob. Yeah. Uh, you know, this whole um, outbreak thing is really thrown a wrench in baseball, um, and I know that like some Red Sox fans are probably thinking, like, oh man, with this pitching staff, I'd be relieved to see the season get canceled, but I don't know, like we still want baseball and uh, I don't know. This is just such a loaded thing. I'm going to ha- I'm going to honestly be sorting my thoughts out about this on this podcast to be to be perfectly frank. Oh,
2: I I don't think um I I don't think I'm ever going to have my thoughts totally sorted out on this. This is way too complex for me to ever figure it out, but yeah, I mean, I think we have to start with the outbreak. It's obviously The story of the league right now so the marlins as of right now i believe these are the numbers they had four more players test positive for the virus today so i believe they're up to 15 players which is half of their active roster half of the expanded active roster and two staffers which i'm assuming means coaches Um, and that's all since friday So right now, the Marlins are stuck in Philadelphia, uh, quarantining in a Philly hotel, which a part of this that nobody is talking about is that this hotel is now a quarantine zone. There are (laughs) hotel workers who are just stuck in this hotel, are working in this hotel where there's an active outbreak. It's just insane that we are putting people through this. But so the Marlins are stuck in Philadelphia. Their season got suspended uh, today, that was first broken by, I believe, by Craig Mish, who's kind of all over all things Marlins. Um, Phillies are not playing until Friday. They were supposed to be playing the Yankees, but they were the last team to play the Marlins. Um, they had some tests come back today. None of them, none of the tests for players or coaches were positive. They did have a, uh, they did have a clubby test positive. We'll get more on that in a second. But so the Phillies are off until Friday. The Yankees, who are supposed to be playing the Phillies, are now playing the Orioles, who are supposed to be playing the Marlins, um, on Wednesday and Thursday. There's going to be more changes for the schedule next week. Announced later this week, this is a total disaster. <laughs> I mean, this—they are just changing the schedule around willy nilly at the last second. I just—I don't really even know a question to ask. It's this is just insane.
1: Yeah, it's really insane. Uh, this is like. Three games in for yeah, for this one to week. be happening. Yeah, it's bananas that it happened. It that it came off the rails this fast. Um, also, like the odds of it being a Florida team that this happened to were high.
2: <laughs> well, so I don't even so. understand. I've seen like conflicting things about this, but I think it's possible that they caught it in Georgia, which Georgia isn't much better than Florida right now, anyways. Right. Um, but yeah, either way, I mean that whole part of the country is totally not doing what they're supposed to and then i mean there's also um the fact that they played on sunday (laughs) they played a game the outbreak the early signs of the outbreak were already apparent on sunday i believe four players had tested positive at least four players had tested positive at that point four or five and they left it up to the team Miguel Rojas led the way. Miguel Rojas, by the way, is one of the players that tested positive today. He led the way. There was a group text among Marlins. As far as I know, the Phillies never even really got a chance to say whether or not they wanted to play. It's just how that was left up to the players. How it was allowed. That decision was allowed to be made by guys who have been raised their entire lives to like play through injuries and like put your head down and play no matter what. It's just it's a stain on the league, to be frank about.
1: Yeah, and more than that, it's a stain on Rob Manfred's leadership or lack thereof. And, you know, this is just a, a continuance of what we've seen from him, uh, which is just a, a whole lot of really bad leadership, really bad decisions. Um, you know, you need to make sweeping, unilateral, responsible decisions when dealing with a pandemic like this. And it just seems like he is constantly afraid of making A bold decision that some of the owners from the teams aren't going to like. Um, It seems like he always wants to please everybody, and he pleases nobody Nobody as a result. Um, And like, I just can't say enough bad things about Rob Manfred. We've had some pretty bad commissioners in the history of baseball, but Bud Selig was like a pretty decent one. Um, He really wasn't,
2: but Manfred makes him look great.
1: Yeah, I mean, like Selig had had definite. Definite knocks against him, but I feel like he got it right later in his career. Like, I would take late career Seelig over what we're getting from uh, Manfred in a heartbeat. I would say... Because um, he was competent.
2: I mean, the bare minimum that Manfred doesn't reach that Seelig reached is I think Seelig genuinely wanted good things for baseball. I do not believe that's yes. the case for Rob Manfred.
1: I totally agree. And uh, yeah, it's 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 horrible. I don't know what to say. He's like... This whole
2: whole thing, I mean, this whole thing has basically been designed for him to be able to keep pushing. And I mean, this was said by me and by a lot of other people when this first started that um, I think he was on Dan Patrick's show um, about a month ago. And Dan Patrick asked him what it would take to shut down a season. And there are just no objective, like, numerical guidelines to shut down a season. It's all vague, like competitive balance. I don't know the exact way you phrased it, but it's all just very vague and it's all just left up to his judgment. And that is insane. You can't, with something like this, you need an objective number on paper that you have to be held accountable to. And now he can just do whatever he wants and he can just like move the goalposts whenever he wants, because there was no, there was just no guidelines put in place. And that was clearly a disaster when it was first, when it first came out that that was the case, and we're seeing it in real time, that you just you can't, if you're gonna be playing through a situation like this, you need to have more clear guidelines, and you need to have something that you can be held accountable to. And just Manfred is not being held accountable to that, and he's not being held accountable to anything because he's not even speaking. The only time we've heard him speak is on MLB Network, which is owned by the league that he runs from Tom Verducci who is just reading off a piece of paper and asking no follow-up questions. It's an absolute joke that Manfred hasn't had to answer any mildly tough questions about any of this.
1: Yeah. And I think it goes even further than that, not to get political, but like there's just no oversight at all coming from any place. Um, So Manfred doesn't have to answer to anybody because nobody's answering to anybody in this country right now.
2: It is all just a total mess and, Manfred is right at the center of it. He's certainly not alone. But, um, I mean, I keep seeing people kind of trying to take the blame off of him a little bit and, like, keep pointing out that he's an employee of the owners, which, yes. But, I mean, God, he's – that's this is his job. If he's going to get paid all this money to be the face, then he's going to take the beating and he's going to have to deal with it. So uh, yeah, just no, no good things to say about Rob Manfred.
1: Um, it makes me think, like, what's the point of a commissioner, though? If a commissioner is not actually going to make any of his own decisions, like, if his decisions are just going to be what pleases the most owners, then, like, why even have? Why just not vote on every single thing? His title should call.
2: Yeah, I mean, his title should not be commissioner. You know, they need to change that because he's not. He doesn't work for the. He doesn't like do anything to in the best interest of the league. He does it in the best interest of the owners. That's his job. He came up as a guy who negotiated on behalf of the owners that's how he kind of um broke into the league and so yeah he's not a commissioner
1: yeah and, and i think just one more thing i want to point out the most egregious thing to me about all this is just that infectious disease experts basically told the marlins that they had a a, a covid breakout and that they should not play and they still played. yeah it was totally yeah, clear that they
2: should not have played and they still did um Phillies, like I said, didn't really have a say, so now they are open to it. Um, like I said earlier, they got some good news. Um, still not thrilled about the way that's being framed. Um, everyone's just kind of just like tossing aside the fact that a clubhouse attendant that we really don't know anything about. Um, I don't know how old they are. I don't know anything about their health. But I mean, that person tested positive, so obviously we hope that they're doing well, but no Phillies players or coaches have tested positive, but, um, this was tweeted by Nick Stellini, um, earlier today on Tuesday, uh, from Harvard medical school about testing. It takes a couple days for these tests to come back. And this test was taken right after, I believe it was taken on Sunday. So it was right after they were in contact with these Marlins players. Um, So 100% of the time on the day you're exposed to the virus, you're going to get a negative test. It takes four days for that to go under 50%. So it's really these next few days of test results from the Phillies that we're really looking for. And it kind of seems like the season hangs in the balance of what happens with these Phillies tests. If they can get through this clean, um, and this is limited to the Marlins, things are salvageable, at least for now. I mean, if the Phillies get like four, five, six positive tests this week, I don't don't know how you can keep playing. This is just, that's a total outbreak at that point.
1: If the Phillies come out of this clean, do you think this serves as a wake-up call for teams and players to start taking this more seriously in the league to start taking this more seriously? Or do you think that we're just going to inevitably have another episode just like this in a couple
2: weeks? I mean, you would think so, but... Like look around the world. How is the how the, if they need a wake up call at this point? Then I think they're just so far gone. We've been dealing with this as a world for months now. If you needed a Marlins breakout to really take things seriously, I don't think you're ever going to take it seriously.
1: Yeah, it's not a great situation, man. Uh, I'm I'm stressed about the whole thing. I really want baseball to yeah, work out, it but sucks. it just seems very irresponsible that. Uh, it just doesn't seem like they're set up like this. And even going back to the, first, the very first days of uh, summer camp opening up, I just remember Mike Rizzo and the Nationals being upset about testing protocols and the Giants being upset about it and teams even going as far as employing their own labs to get more reliable test results and get them back faster. It just seems like there's no cohesive strategy here that is... Uh, viable.
2: Yeah, it just they they're kind of playing it by ear and just changing things as the days go on and that I don't I don't know how that's going to work into the fall into September into October the playoffs. I don't I don't know. Um, and I mean especially I mean I I watched a lot of baseball this weekend. I was excited to have it back. I had it on my TV pretty much all day and I can't tell you how many players I saw high fiving. I saw just getting all together in the dugout, not distancing at all, spitting all over the field, managers with masks under their noses. I have the White Sox-Indian game on in the background right now. Terry Francona, one of my favorite people in the world, does not know how to wear a mask. Um, And it's driving me nuts. And some of it, like the high-fiving, I think people are giving players too hard of a time about that because it's really hard. You've been doing that for like 15, 20 years of your life. I understand sure. that it's hard to break that habit, but it just it doesn't make me feel good to seeing it. And it's just it looks like they can't stop.
1: Yeah, and I think we, we talked about this on the Red Seat podcast before even the season started. But there's just so many guys, I think, that fall on the political side of this in the league that don't actually uh, even take this as seriously as we ought to. Um, oh. So I, I think it's just going to be so hard to
2: get everybody to take it seriously. Yeah, it's just, it's really hard. Um, I mean, I guess, I don't know. We talked about this a little bit off the air, but I mean, the big conversation in the sports world is basically that baseball should have gone to a bubble situation. They point to the NBA, which seems to be working well. NHL just, I believe the teams just got to their bubbles and there have been, no there were no positive tests on that intake which is obviously really good Um, but i i just i don't think baseball ever could have gone to a bubble there's the fact that there was really nowhere to play in my mind arizona and florida don't seem viable a because those states are a mess right now and b because it's just too hot to play during the day baseball is so different from these other sports because it's the regular season so you have all the teams there and they play every day the other sports they have days off, you can space out the games. Um, I don't think the bubble was ever realistic for baseball.
1: Yeah, I think it would have been really hard. Um, I personally would have voted for, if it was up to me, to try it uh, in Arizona and Florida and do whatever we could to like manage the heat. I don't know, install misters on the field or something like that. Like, you know, I, I think managing the heat would have been an easier thing than trying to manage covid 19 and traveling like normal which just is a bananas idea to me yeah i
2: yeah i mean i basically come down to i don't think there was a good idea for baseball i, I just <laughs> probably don't not anything worked. um so end of the day last question about this uh is this are they gonna finish
1: honestly at this point i would bet against them finishing uh and I feel badly about that, but I just think that it's probably it's it's inevitable to me. I just think it's a numbers thing. I right? I just I can't imagine it not coming to this or worse again in the future.
2: I agree with your last point, but I don't think Rob Manfred's gonna end it. I don't think Rob Manfred's gonna end it unless it's gonna take something very bad to happen.
1: Like a clubhouse attendant dying of COVID?
2: Honestly, I don't know that that does it. it, A player, I think, needs to go to the ICU if this is going to be taken seriously, which is a totally depressing thing. Uh, But I just, I don't know. That's just where I'm at. Um, But yeah, I don't know. There's really nothing else to say. This is obviously a fluid situation. I feel like by the time this goes up Wednesday morning, there's probably going to be different information out. But I guess we should say we're recording this at This is 4.30 on Tuesday. Um, but yeah, so we'll see what happens. Um, I guess I have one more, this is not about the outbreak, but one more sort of COVID baseball question that I did not put on the agenda. So I'm kind of throwing this at you. Um, okay. What do you think about the cardboard people? Um, I'm kind of taking it a little amusing. Bit
1: yeah, no, I, I find the cardboard people amusing. Uh, I like that they put drink water, uh, behind, um, was it? It was it? It was drink water, right? That they put right behind home plate at Fenway. I didn't even um, notice behind home
2: plate.
1: Jeez. Yeah, they they have some like funny cardboard cutouts, um, and also like I found it amusing when Pete Alonso hit that 116 oh, mile man. an hour bullet that was pretty much the hardest hit ball I've ever seen. Somebody in my life. would have
2: died if they were actual people <laughs> left. Right,
1: and I thought that was kind of funny that. There's just these yeah, the cardboard, cardboard cutouts just taking it in the face. <laughs>
2: um, I don't think any, I think he hit it over their heads though. Cause I kind of wanted to see just like a clean rip of like a decapitation. Oh. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I kind of find it unnerving, but it's also kind of funny. Um, I will say I hate the babies get the giant babies out of here. I think, like, San Diego, there's always a giant. like, people submitted their babies, which is cute, oh, but God, in practice it weird. just does not work because it's a giant baby. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it a lot. So, yeah, we, can get like of the gi- we can get rid of the giant babies. I'll be on board, but until then, I'm a, I'm a little iffy
1: on it. You know what's jarring about it, too, is that some people took, like, terrible close-ups, and then those close-ups have been made into cardboard cutouts, oh. and it just doesn't look right, but some people took, like, you know, responsible full body shots that actually kind of look like a cardboard cutout of a person. Um, yeah, so it's just the the degree of quality <laughs> here is pretty funny. Yeah, it's.
2: Yeah, it's it, I I think I preferred the uh, I forget what team did it in Korea, but they put uh, a bunch of stuffed animals and stuff. I think I preferred that, and I think Oakland's done that yeah. um, too. But the cardboard cuts are okay.
1: The stuffed animals gets me. That's pretty funny, and also. I think someone has to make a Twitter account dedicated to lonely mascots in the stands because it's they there? really funny. So I, my wife asked me this yesterday, and I said, I think they are there for our benefit. It's definitely so like, for TV,
2: but it's... Yeah. <laughs> there was a video. Somebody put a video on Twitter. Um, one of the Mets beat recorders. I forget who it is, so sorry to whoever that is. Um, but um, Is it Tim Britton? No, it wasn't Tim Britton. Um, I think it was, I don't remember what it was, but they posted a video of Mr. and Mrs. Matt dancing up in, like, the third <laughs> deck for absolutely nobody. Like, it wasn't on camera or <laughs> like, They were just, like, what is happening?
1: Well, you know, married couples, yeah. so they got to keep it fresh. I,
2: I guess so. <laughs> um, all right, so let's move on to uh, the Red Sox pitching staff, which is... I, I don't know what you're supposed to say uh they've been worse than expected which seems impossible but this is where we're at um Nathan Valdi was very good to pretty good depending on how much of a ding you want to give him for playing the Orioles um uh, but he looked I no complaints about what Nathan Valdi did on Friday um and then Martin Perez was terrible although he settled down after a couple of innings but he was terrible to start um Ryan Weber was terrible. Uh, Josh the Josh Osich Jeffrey Springs combination to start uh, Monday's game was terrible. Uh, like I said, we're recording this Tuesday afternoon, so we haven't seen what Matt Hall does. But I gotta say, I'm not very confident about it. Um, so, yeah, not I don't know if you have anything to say about any of those performances.
1: Um, they were all really bad, yeah. except for Ivaldi, uh, obviously. Um, it was surprising to me, and I think clearly the wrong choice um, that Zach Godley wasn't given the start. Um, I, yeah. I don't really know why they would tell us that Osich was going to be an opener when it was just a straight bullpen game, oh, as you've pointed out many don't times.
2: Get me started. Drives me <laughs> insane. Yes, it makes sense. These are baseball people. They know what they're saying. Why can't they just say what it actually is? I, it it is absolutely my biggest pet peeve. And you're right. I think, I think a lot of I don't know. I don't think that you love the opener. Am I putting words in your mouth? No, I I do not love the opener. So I like the opener. But either way, Zach Godley has to be in before the fifth inning in that game. It. Hundred percent. Whether it's this, I would have put him in in the second even if you want to keep with Osage because he only threw 10 pitches in the first go with Godley in the third you cannot put in Jeffrey Springs after that it's a bizarre decision I don't know where that came from but yeah I mean Godley to his credit looked very good I never know how much to put into that when I mean the Mets were already winning in a blowout and it just seems like offenses kind of take a back seat and kind of are a little more relaxed and not as urgent, so I don't know how much of that to factor in, but I mean, there's no doubt that Godley looked good and compared to basically every other Red Sox pitcher, he looked amazing Um, so presumably he's going to be starting the next time through but yeah, that was a bizarre decision
1: yeah if he's not starting there's like major major yeah, issues starting or <laughs> like i mean i wouldn't
2: mind if he was if he came in the second or third after an opener if
1: he was a true follower yeah, yeah,
2: exactly right. if yeah he, just, if he does the yanni torino's ryan yarborough role that's fine but he's got a pitch a bulk innings getting in there early in a game next time through
1: yeah i agree um and you know we're, I think we're going to see a lot of this nonsense um, just as they churn through pitchers and try and see what works um, Jeffrey Springs looks really really bad uh, Osage doesn't look great Kobe is awful like god awful not the I roster just anymore. The No he's he, they I think they activated him just so they could then send him down is that correct I believe he of,
2: needed to be put on the 40 man um I don't know that he had to be put on the active roster, but I'm assuming he did. That was part of his... Because he asked to be released by the Rays. So I believe that yeah, and
1: someone story. on the radio made a point. Like, why is it that you're not throwing Covey in, you know, the blowout game... Yeah,
2: it makes no sense.
1: ...rather than in a game where you actually have a chance to come back?
2: Yeah, it it, uh, it makes no sense. We're, we'll get to that in a second. We're going to talk about Ron Reineke in a second. Um, but before we do, I want to... Stick with the pitching staff and talk about Mike Fultanevich. Um, surprise DFA by the Braves on Monday after he got shelled by the Rays. Um, just in October, he got the start in game five of the NLDS, uh, the most important game of the Braves season. He got the start. His next start in a game that counted, he got designated for assignment after. Um, so, kind of a surprise there. Not to say it was a bad decision, but definitely surprising. Uh, but given that the Red Sox are on every single pitcher that becomes available, you've got to assume that they're going to be trying to make a move here, right? Maybe.
1: maybe. Um, and I only say maybe because I think there is a ton of stuff that we don't know. I think this situation is going to be really weird when whoever reports on this finally like gets the scoop as to why he's been released. Because you don't typically release a guy who started two games for you in the NLDS, and you know you mentioned the Game Five game where he got shelled. He gave up six earned runs in just point one of an inning um, in that game, if you remember. But the game before, Game Two, the dude pitched seven shutout innings uh, and struck out seven. So. This guy has talent, but the thing that's weird is that some people have been posting like comparisons and he looks off physically and his velocity has been really down too. So like, I'm not sure if there's something maybe health-wise or whatever. I don't want to speculate, but I don't know that Bloom is going to just blindly trade for this guy when clearly like this is not something that you see every day. Um, There's... There's a lot that worries me about this.
2: There's definitely a lot that worries me about this, but um, they just they just claim Dylan Covey and Steven Gonzalez and all of these other guys. So I think you at least have to put an offer. Yeah, I would, definitely wouldn't be uh, offering anything significant, but I'm at least calling and making some sort of offer because the worst that can happen is that he's like every other pitcher on this roster.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally get that. Um, I just think everybody's looking at it like a foregone conclusion. And I just think with it, with the weirdness around it, it might not be because, like all the other guys you mentioned, the Red Sox might see something that they like about them, a pitch or something that they think they can work with. And in the case of Covey, like Bloom knows him pretty intimately because of the time that he spent in Tampa Bay. But, like, he wasn't with, with
2: the Rays, so he, he went to the Rays after Bloom.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, that makes more sense. Um, but, you know, even still, I, I think there's just, I would temper my expectations for
2: them claiming him at this point. Well, I don't think I don't think that he would make it to them on a waiver claim. Anyways, um, I mean, They'd probably have to trade for yeah, him. We already talked about the Marlins losing half of their roster. and They get literally the first chance at it. So I would assume I would hope that they put in a claim for him at least. Isn't it weird, though? It's just really weird. Yeah, and there was talk, I mean, Talking Chop, which is the uh, SB Nation Brave site, mentioned something about him kind of going after some of his critics on Twitter, both beat writers and fans, so there's some sort of confidence issues going on too, so I definitely don't, I wouldn't be confident if they got him, but I still think that you'd have to take a chance just because of everything else on this pitching stuff. I mean, Matt Hall is starting in a few hours, so...
1: Yeah. Yeah, that says a lot. I want to get back to Godley for just one second, though. Um, Ian Cundell pointed out on Twitter um, how different his pitch mix was uh, when he did have success coming in in the later innings. Um, And the fact that he was throwing basically all cutters and curveballs is a really good sign. And clearly the Red Sox, you know, made him make that adjustment because his fastball sinker that he was throwing before was just the junk pitch for him. And Keaton and I talked about this at length. His curveball's been a good pitch for him throughout his entire career. And he actually looked good with, with a lot of these cutters. I mean, some of the cutters that he threw were excellent pitches. Um, so if, if he can become a, a cutter curveball guy only, I think this one has a higher chance of working out than some of the others.
2: For a 60-game season, I might agree. I really don't like that idea as just like a guy going forward just because you just you start throwing only pitches with that much movement teams just aren't going to swing and you're just going to walk everybody
0: i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're hear us in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW root void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: Sure, but like even if you get Godly to be a long reliever for oh, you for sure. in the future, like cool, that's found gold at this point.
2: For sure. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, he definitely need to make adjustments. So I, mean, I am interested to see how that goes, but I feel like that's, it's something that works well when teams aren't expecting it, but once it becomes your M.O., the results start to go down pretty quickly.
1: Some of those swings though were brutal. Oh, he inspires. looked outstanding.
2: I will I will yeah. say nothing bad about what he did on Monday. His what do you think of his grunts though? Not a not <laughs> a grunt guy. Gotta gotta <laughs> cut it out with the grunts. Nathan Valdi does it too. You gotta you guys gotta yeah. chill. This is not this is not tennis. You gotta relax with that.
1: <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot to especially with the empty stadiums. Yeah. It's
2: just it's right in my ear. Yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not down with it. <laughs> um, so back to Renicky we already st- we talked about um, what he did on Monday with the pitching uh, I don't really think we have to go anymore with that but he's made some other weird decisions um, as we're talking getting ready for Tuesday's game he is sitting Alex Verdugo again against another lefty with Ben moving down to the 9 spot but staying in the lineup uh, Jose Perrazzo leading off Christian Vasquez has gotten his second day off other games Xander Bogart's got a day off on the second game of the season um he went with Dylan Covey in that game in a three-run game uh rather than literally anybody else um it's just it's he's had this weird to me he's had this weird back and forth between having a sense of urgency and having no sense of urgency and it's just been the worst possible mix um what have you what have your been your early impressions of Reineke?
1: I hate it. Um I really do. And I, I think that it's always the case when we're trying to judge managers. Like it, you know, we have the benefit of hindsight, obviously, but even as he's making these decisions Oh, there was some in real time. Saying, yeah,
2: there was some regular shit going on here too.
1: Exactly. And and it's just um It's shocking because a lot of the things that he does just completely disregard numbers. And you'd think that with Bloom being in charge, like there would be some top-down sort of mandates to follow the numbers a little bit, especially to see what you have in guys. But I don't understand. The Verdugo thing is the thing that's been bothering me the most because Verdugo is excellent against lefties. Um, He's just such an advanced hitter already. He plays great defense wherever he is, whether he's in left or right. He can play center, too. Um, you know, he's aggressive on the base paths. He's just one of the guys that's bringing huge energy, hustles down the line every time. Like, I've been incredibly impressed with Alex Verdugo, and he's a young guy that needs reps. He's one of the few guys, I would say, along with Xander and, and Devers, who will I'm pretty sure are going to be on this team for the foreseeable future. Definitely on the next good Red Sox team. Why you would not platoon JBJ and Pilar is beyond me. I know that JBJ is hot right now, so I get the idea of like when JBJ is on a hot streak, you let him do his thing. But put Pilar in there, bench Benintendi. Benintendi has looked listless at the plate. He has no confidence right now. He looks terrible against breaking pitching. Um, Benny needs to sit. Benny needs to go in the cage. Like I don't care that Benny is uh, this former top prospect. Like he looks like dog shit right now. And Verdugo deserves to be in the lineup. That's bananas.
2: Yeah, I am not as vehemently anti-Benintendi right now as uh, some other people, but I totally agree that he needs a day off um, i kind of gave Renicky the benefit of the doubt on opening day when verdugo was on the bench um, i kind of assumed it was sort of just deference to bradley as a veteran on the team to give him the opening day start and verdugo as the youngest guy to take a seat i didn't love it but i understood it i was fine with it but yeah him getting another day off against another lefty is worrisome um I agree with you that I feel like most days it should be Bradley, but also i totally down with playing the hot hand with him. But yeah, it should be Ben Attendi. I don't really, I honestly don't really have anything to add. I think you were mostly dead on that, other than I think you're, I think people are a little too extreme with Ben Attendi. Well, I,
1: I wouldn't say that I'm one of the extreme ones with Ben Attendi. I still very much believe in Ben Attendi as a player, but I do think that we've seen Benintendi run into confidence issues. Oh, for sure. And I don't know, you know, what really the cause of those are. Everybody's different as a player. I don't know whether it's the spotlight, the idea of like having to lead off for the Boston Red Sox, which kind of freaks him out. But You keep I've saying that uh,
2: uh, his numbers in his career are basically, don't suggest that he's bad in the leadoff spot.
1: He just doesn't look good to me. And this, you know, the the numbers bear themselves out but I think that if, if someone was to, and I haven't done this, so I can't say, but anecdotally to me, I think when he leads off baseball games, almost always the first at bat of a baseball game, he has almost no success. I think that he gets his hits when he's in the leadoff spot in his second, third or fourth at bats of the night. I don't think that he's actually ever starting off the game the way that we want him to.
2: That's possible. I have no idea. Um, yeah, I think there is a way to look that up, but I'm not going to try and figure that out in real time right now.
1: Yeah, real time it would be pretty tough, but like that could be a, a good article idea to look at that.
2: I might steal that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's been three starts for him. Um, so I'm not ready to like pull the plug, and I don't think you are either, but um, no, I do think it makes sense to move him down to the ninth spot tonight, especially against a lefty, if you're going to play him. Like I said, I wouldn't play him either, but... Uh, I think against righties, I would stick with them for a little bit longer in the leadoff spot. I'm not, especially for a guy. If we're talking about a guy with confidence issues, I'm not yanking him from the leadoff spot because that could just that could destroy his season if you're really worried about his confidence.
1: Yes, but also, I and I tweeted this out too. Just the sixty game season. Every game has so much more importance. You just don't have the luxury of letting guys figure it out in certain spots like you do in a sixty-game season. You know the Red Sox are effectively three and nine right now heading into this game. If we were to put it out there for like a one sixty-two pace, so
2: I, I don't know how long you can let them figure it out. I'm giving them at least until after the Rays series, which is they play. Three more against the Mets, they play the Yankees this weekend, and they have two against the Rays next week. I'm giving them at least till then.
1: Um so you think they'll still be
2: playing baseball by then? Well, obviously that's if <laughs> they're still playing baseball. <laughs> and that's in Florida too, by the way. They have to go to Florida. To play, yeah. So just not nice. a deal. yeah. You
1: could not get me on a
2: plane to Florida right now. No.
1: No way. No.
2: No, there there would have to be some <laughs> extenuating circumstances to get me to Florida.
1: It's tough enough to get me off a plane to Florida,
2: as it is. <laughs> so, yeah, that is a fair point. <laughs> that humidity does not occur. Um yeah. So there's a couple more position players I want to talk about uh, kind of quickly. Again, we're talking about three, four games into the year, so um, it's kind of hard to do any heavy analysis. But Michael Chavis, still striking out a lot. Um, how long <laughs> does he keep this up until you see Bobby Dahlbeck come up and get some of that time?
1: I don't think long. Uh, I think if he continues this for another week that they need to make a move. Um, It's very, very clear what Chavis' hole is. He has not solved it. His fastball is up in the zone. Um, People have been exploiting this since they kind of figured out that this is his hole. Dahlbeck provides you, I think, a little bit more flexibility. He's a better defender at third and first. Um, And, you know... It's not like Dahlbeck doesn't have holes in his swing. He absolutely does. And we might find out that they're just as glaring holes in his swing. But we might also find out that Dahlbeck, even though he strikes out a lot, can hit pitches up in the zone, can hit good pitching. The The way that I've been kind of trying to explain this is like, maybe Dahlbeck can hit good pitching, but also strikes out a lot. With Chavis, I'm just not sure he can hit good pitching.
2: Well, I mean, I think he can. Whether or not he will. We've seen him pick up pitching.
1: We've seen him hit good breaking pitching. We haven't seen him hit good
2: fastballs. I think he was hitting fastballs when he first came up. Fastballs up in the zone. Different story. But, I mean, he's hit, he's hit some fastballs down. But, yeah, I mean, I... Sheamus I have the shortest leash with right now. Um, but I also think it, it's a little more complicated just because um, it sort of depends on what Jose Peraza is doing as well. Unless you want to start giving... Um, starts the semi-consistently to Zue Lin or Jonathan Arauz. Um, but that being said, Peraza's doing well enough that, um, yeah, I think Chavis definitely has the shortest leash among position players right now.
1: I think it's curious also that Reneki has been treating Peraza like he's a you know multi-time all-star. They love Jose <laughs> Peraza. And I'm kind of getting
2: on board with Peraza, um, not so much... Because I think he's looked good, but more just because he's the kind of player that I gravitate towards. So, just personally, I'm going to give him a little more leeway. But yeah, they they do love them some Jose Barraza, for sure.
1: Yeah, and he's been fine. I'm he had a big first game, but yeah, impressed. Just,
2: he's he is what he is. If he if he can yeah. give if he can give them like a 98 uh, WRC plus, run away with that in a heartbeat.
1: Let me just say that there's no way in hell that I would lead Jose Peraza off. Uh, he would be my third choice, uh, maybe even further down than my third choice, behind Ben and Verdugo. I don't understand that. Oh, yeah, for
2: sure. But, I mean, Verdugo's not in this lineup, and I don't want Ben well, leading off right now. So with this specific yeah. group of players, I guess I probably would go Peraza, but I think that says more about this specific group of players than it does about Peraza.
1: What about Pilar leading off against the left?
2: I will kill somebody <laughs> if Kevin Pilar hits leadoff. How come? Because he does. He's not a leadoff hitter. I kind of like Pilar. I like him in the middle of the order. He's got a little bit of pop, but the guy is a 300 OBP player even against lefties. I
1: mean, Peraz is pretty much that too, though.
2: In his career, he's been about three. I think he's like 337, 340 against lefties.
1: Oh, I don't think he's that
2: high. I looked it up. Is he? Yeah. Somewhere oh, in that range. Against lefties, I'm talking about.
1: Okay, and okay. Pilar,
2: I think, was like 307.
1: Okay, well, um, that is much better than I anticipated. Peralta's been good
2: half of his career.
1: He's just been
2: absolutely terrible in the other half.
1: Yeah, he's 330 OBP lifetime against lefties. 304 versus Yeah, Yeah, no, no way I'm
2: leading off against right. No. But if you don't have Verdugo in there and you get Ben Atendi hitting like Ben Atendi's hitting, I guess you go Peraza, especially if you're not willing to put Bogarts in that spot.
1: Can we just say that there are a lot of below average hitters on this team right now as well? Like there there are a lot of good players, but there are also some pretty bad hitters. Jose Peraza, Kevin Pilar, and JBJ are all barely below average players at being at, at the plate. During their entire careers, you know that that's
2: it's not great. Yeah, but Pilar's our everyday player. Um, I guess I don't know if I, I the lineup is pretty good. I'm not really. I don't really have too much bad thing, too many bad things to say about the lineup.
1: Lineup looks a lot better with Verdugo though, for sure. And I'm I'm like yeah. basically
2: all the way in on Christian Vasquez, by the way. I love him. Uh, yeah, I think I, I Eckersley said he might be the best catcher in baseball last night, which is a wild, wild statement. He's obviously not that, but Vasquez <laughs> is sneaky, like in top five conversation in catchers. I, think, I was off the top of my head was, without actually thinking about it too much. Uh I mean he's
1: he's in the conversation. I I love that he threw guy out on the bases after the Xander Bogarts tag last oh, night too. That was one of my favorite things.
2: I I I, I can't get enough. Um, speaking of defense, this one I know we disagree on, uh, but how concerned are you about Raphael Devers' defense? Long, um, long term.
1: Long term, I think he can stay there for like four oh. plus years. Maybe we
2: don't disagree.
1: Yeah, we, we don't disagree, but I also think that Devers was irresponsible. Whatever he did this off season. He came in too heavy. That's been kind of reported. He had a kid. Um,
2: I think that was probably the biggest reason. let take care of it.
1: Yeah. yeah, I get that, but man, like this is your your professional athlete. You got to figure this out. And the team with this pitching, as you pointed out in your article, which I thought was a good read by the way. Thanks. Nice. Um, Devers, we can't afford that defense because. Xander is going to make the regular plays. We know that, but we need Devers to be at least making the plays that he's supposed to make on the left side of the infield because these pitchers aren't good enough to miss bats. Um, and Devers' defense right now, there are too many mental errors. Well, that was, and I think there are some physical limitations right now. See,
2: well. i I haven't seen him. I haven't seen any plays where I see a lack of athleticism being the problem. Him. His errors are the same thing that we saw at the beginning of last season which is just he's overthinking things, he's not making the right decisions, he's rushing throws, things like that, which in the short term, it's very concerning. It's not fun to watch, but I don't know. I'm not putting a ton of stock into what he's done so far. Um, I still am optimistic after what we saw with the adjustments last year.
1: Yeah, I, and I think the throws are the thing that is like the first piece that needs to be consistent with him. He needs to always set his feet yeah, he, and make those throws, um, and, and he does that too infrequently for me. The My problem is w- with him is that on balls that he is coming in on, I feel like we see him make the most mistakes because...
2: He has trouble um, judging when to uh, like stab at the ball, when to attack the ball on a hop, for sure.
1: Exactly. And that's something that like studying Wade Boggs, when I wrote about him, he was able to improve upon those types of things as his career went on. Third base is one of those positions that's a little bit more cerebral in how you position yourself than just sheer athleticism. Um, So I think that that could benefit Devers, but also he needs to get a little bit lower in in my estimation. And that's one of the, the things that when I see him, I wonder if some of the added weight is kind of affecting him in that regard. I'm going to give it some time to see how it plays out and whether or not he can rebound, but like the best version of this Red Sox team. And again, I'll talk about the next good Red Sox team. The next good Red Sox team has Devers at third base and Tristan Casas at first base. We don't really want a situation where Devers is playing first base.
2: No, I think, um, I don't think Devers is ever going to play first base. I think if Devers is in, Third base, he's DH. Oh, would be my guess for his future.
1: Interesting. You don't think he can handle the? I don't think they would do that. Position? I think they
2: have between Dahlbeck and Casas. I I think they would just move him to DH, and just let him. Interesting. Just swing the bat.
1: Yeah, I don't want to see that either because I think Not for sure, no. I don't think at his happen best. You know, he can be a he can be an above average third baseman.
2: I think. He, I, I'm not expecting that. I, I think he's going to settle in as a slightly below average third baseman, which with his bat, I'll take any day of the week. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. So we're going to finish up now with some listener questions. First one comes from Sox Junkie. He says, you're at a bar with your lady. Not sure about calling somebody your lady, but we'll go with it. And Chris Sayles starts to flirt with her. You immediately ask him to back off, but he looks at you with that crazy look in his eyes, almost as crazy as when he yelled at the entire dugout in the 2018 World Series. What's your next move? Are you squaring up? I don't know, Matt. What are you doing here? Not, uh, there's not a chance I'm squaring up. Are you insane? I'm not, first of all, I'm not squaring up against anybody. I've I been in a couple of fights in my life. I'm not very good at it. And Even if you hit somebody, that hurts. <laughs> Punching somebody hurts a lot. I prefer not to be hurt. So, no, I'm not swearing. Also, Chris Sale is yeah, I... a monster. I, I know he looks like very tall and skinny. And he is very tall and skinny, but he's very tall.
1: Yeah, I mean, hopefully uh, things don't escalate to this. But if you have to fight Chris Sale, you got to get him on the ground. That's the only way you're going to have any success here. Also,
2: I'm not immediately asking him to back off. I am going to be a little more cordial and a little more subtle. And just immediately, I, I'm not going in that aggressive to start. <laughs> You're not going to just grab a yeah, beer bottle yeah. and bottle him? <laughs> like, I'm, not, I'm not in roadhouse, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and uh, be an adult about this for sure.
1: I don't even think I could bottle Chris Sale if I wanted to because his head's like seven
2: feet tall. Uh, you know, I'm taller. I'd have I'm to jump to I bottle could. him. I'm, yeah, I think I'm a little bit taller than you. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, there's just no way that whole situation would not go the way that this question is lined up for sure oh man that's funny all right next one is from jackson posey always has the weirdest questions never understand them that is also the case with this one uh so he says sugar and spice and everything nice that's what girls are made of or so the old saying goes what are top red socks made of you can go ahead and answer this because i don't even understand the question um Top red socks are made
1: of um, uh, pine tar
2: and I don't know. I, don't know, I feel man. like that's Gatorade. I feel like that that's is the, the most disgusting combination I've ever <laughs> in my entire life. I'm picturing just like a soupy, <laughs> sticky red Gatorade, and I hate it. Yeah, I hate it a lot.
1: Whatever was on Pineda's back of yeah. his hand, oh, that's what... Yeah. With Gatorade made on top of it, too. Just, <laughs> just, you know, it, it has
2: to be red Gatorade, because that is just the grossest. Not taste-wise, but just, like, it's getting stained everywhere.
1: When I think of Gatorade, that's the only color I think of. Yeah, me too, and it's not my favorite. No, I like cool blue.
2: Yeah, for sure. Cool blue or uh, Glacier Freeze. Either of the blue ones. Everything tastes yep. better when it's blue. Totally. Alright, Robbie Hyde... Uh, What percent chance do you give Alex Cora coming back in 2021? 85. Wow. I say 20. I'm not super confident it's going to happen. I can't handle Reneke. Reneke, I give a 0% chance coming back. (laughs) uh, I'm just not seeing that. But I don't think it's going to be Alex Cora. I think they're going to go somebody else. I don't know, man. I just don't 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 think he's getting a manager job anywhere right out the gate. I don't think anybody's just handing him. I hope he gets it back. I'm conflicted. Um, you you wouldn't want to see him there? I kind of would, but also, I don't know. I still don't really love what the Astros did, and I think maybe his role was overplayed a little bit, but also he still had a pretty big role, and I'm not crazy yeah. about
1: that. He's just, he was so well regarded by the players. That's why that, I'm
2: conflicted. Yeah, I just really like him. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to happen, but I seem to be in the minority in that, so take that for what it's worth. Um, Jim LaFrance asks why the Red Sox didn't draft pitching first in the draft. I'll let you handle this.
1: Um, that's a good question um, because there were a lot of really good pitching options available to the Red Sox. This draft was super deep in pitching. Uh, I guess... They just kind of fell in love with Nick York as a player. Um, and the Red Sox actually haven't been very effective at pitching, drafting pitching highly and having it work out lately. So it's probably for the best they didn't draft a pitcher.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you just pick the player that you like. And obviously picking York was more than just liking York. Not to say that they don't, because I know that they very much do. But also the signing bonus and that whole thing but uh yeah you don't you don't draft for need. that's just not how the baseball draft works
1: nope
2: uh around the diamond podcasts podcast asks who are the best independent baseball content creators i.e no mlb network or espn
1: well fangraphs is like my favorite uh hmm, website, i didn't even i was basically. even considering
2: because
1: they're writing. independently owned.
2: yeah no i wasn't considering writing for some reason
1: Oh, well, so, yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, like, Fangraphs is amazing. I really like a lot of the work that Ralph Lifshitz and the guys over at Prospects Live have done. They've kind of blown up very quickly with a lot of hard work there. Uh, I don't know. Those two come to mind specifically.
2: I would probably say Over the Monster. I mean, it's pretty upsetting that you didn't say that. Um, (laughs) No, I guess I was was trying to be humble, man. Come (laughs) on. That's stupid. Um, I don't know. I was thinking of, like, video. I guess just because he said MLB Network. Um, I don't really have a great answer to that. I kind of like John Boy. I don't know if I'm supposed to or not. I haven't decided if it's cool or not to like John Boy, but uh, I think his video breakdowns are funny.
1: I think the best baseball account for growing the game on the entire Twitter sphere is Rob Friedman's Pitching Ninja. Everyone universally loves it. It's just... It's the best account. Yeah, but especially I don't know if you're a pitching nerd.
2: Um, I guess that's I don't I, I, I don't know that he's independent. But I guess if he's not independent, the job boy wouldn't be either because they both have deals with MLB. But um, Yeah, I do I mean I definitely can't argue with that. Uh, Alright
1: There's so much good content. We're super spoiled with baseball content it, these days. You know,
2: it could be even better if baseball would just let people post videos online. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's Uncle Jeff asks, uh, when do we see Mata or Hauk or Groom? Uh, he also asks about putting in a claim for Fulton Evich. We already talked about that, so we will focus on the prospect part of that.
1: Uh, I think you will see Hauk soon, and I think you should see Hauk soon because he is uh, probably a lot more ready than a lot of the guys that we've seen already. Um, Mata and Groom, I'm not sure we see this year. Maybe Mata late. But I don't think we see Graham.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think we, I think we might see Mata as a reliever for the last few weeks of the season, especially if the Red Sox are out of it, just to kind of give him a taste. Um, but yeah, Hulk's the only guy that I think we're going to see any sort of real time from, and yeah, I would expect that definitely within the next few weeks. Yeah, uh, KG asks, do <laughs> the Red Sox have the worst pitching staff in baseball? Please explain your answer of yes.
1: Right now, they do. Yeah.
2: Like, clearly.
1: I don't think that that's. Yeah. And and I think the issue is that even. So I'm just going to compare them to another horrible pitching staff in the Baltimore Orioles, a team that going into the third game against the Red Sox, and I said this on the last podcast, had a 1.1% chance to make the playoffs, according to fan graphs, which was by far the lowest for any 1-1 team. At that time, Um, they at least have a pitching staff that is composed of former starting pitchers um, who have had success at one point or another. It doesn't have to be smashing success, but like we saw it. Wade LeBlanc, a journeyman guy, throws soft stuff, but knows how to locate. So when he's locating, he's actually effective. Alex Cobb, a former like high ceiling pitcher who can turn over a lineup a couple times when he's healthy. Um, The Red Sox don't have anybody who can really say that they've had huge Major League success recently other than Eovaldi. And even him, it's like spotty because of his health.
2: Yeah, he was very good in 2018. Yeah. Um, But yeah, no, you're right. I I think without actually doing a deep dive on all the other pitching staffs in baseball, I think the Red Sox probably have the worst stuff.
1: I mean, how about Weber, a guy who has to completely avoid the zone in order not to get blown. The only to way against. Ryan
2: Weber can be good is if he gets a big strike zone. That is, yeah, that is the only way. <laughs> that's just not. It's, it's, it's not, not going to work. Yeah, that's not a. It's not a recipe for success. Only Angel Hernandez starts. Well, he got because he looked pretty good in one of the uh, exhibition games, and the strike zone was huge. And he was, yeah. he was putting everything, like, just off the plate and he was getting called for strikes, and so he did pretty well. If that's not happening, then it's just it's not going to go well for him. And the
1: best pitchers in baseball can all throw their stuff in the zone and still get you to miss. So, you know, if you can't even approach the zone, it's probably a bad sign. Yeah, it's not great.
2: Um, and then last question, I don't really even know what to say. This spent Ben Jacobson. This is why his Ben Attendee suck. I mean, we already spent enough time on I don't think either of us think yeah. he sucks, but right now he's not doing
1: very well. Yeah, I think it's just confidence in, in breaking pitches right now. We've seen him drop to a knee a few times on breaking pitches. Yeah, so. He's not Adrian Belcher. Uh, no. <laughs> no, he's not.
2: All right, so I think that will do it for us in this one. Um, hopefully things go better tonight, so when you listen to this, uh, some of our doom and gloom about the pitching staff looks a little bit more over the top than it should, but I don't have much confidence that that's going to happen. But uh, thank you for listening. Uh, do the rating, do the subscribing, do the telling everybody. Uh, follow us on Twitter. I forgot about this one last time. I will remember this time. Uh, you can follow me. I'm just going to give out the over the monster account at over the monster. Uh, that's what you're interested in. I doubt you're interested in my personal account. Uh, you can follow Jake at dev Jake, Uh, Anything else before we sign off?
1: Uh, Just check out the content that we're making at Over the Monster. Uh, Matt's always doing really good work there. Uh, I had a piece today on my all-time Red Sox lineup construction against righties and lefties, and I've got a piece comparing my lineup to the all-time Yankees lineup that I worked on with uh, the guys over at Pinstripe Alley coming out later in the week. So just stay tuned for more good written content at the site.
2: Good message. All right, we will close with that, and uh, we will be back with you next week.